Today is Friday, August 4th, 2023. Fired Ukrainian prosecutor Viktor Shokin breaks his silence, says Joe Biden might have tried to have him killed, and then says that Joe Biden got him fired for money. We now have the smoking gun, and we'll play it for you on this show. Trump pleads not guilty. Y'all got to film in January 6th. Charges and Alina Haba and Stephen Miller join the show. My name is Benny Johnson, and this is The Benny Show. How do we keep the energy? We were up, ladies and gentlemen, online for seven hours live yesterday, covering it from stem to stern. Three and a half hours for Donald Trump's arraignment in Washington, D.C. We keep the energy with blackout coffee. Blackout coffee keeps us going. It's because it's made with freedom beans. It's because it's made it's made right here in Florida. It's made by people who love this country and people who care about this country. Blackout coffee. Actually, you know what? I have my blackout coffee mug right here. I don't need to use. I just here we go. We'll do this. There you go. There's there you go. There's the there's the the in the the inversion. Ladies and gentlemen, the blackout coffee mug keeps us going, keeps us energized, and it keeps us free. If you go to blackoutcoffee.com slash Benny today, you'll get 20% off your first order. Blackoutcoffee.com slash Benny. Support non-woke companies. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, I got something really special for you, okay? I got a special thing for you. Something that you're going to love because it's going to give you hope. And we can need some hope. This show is about hope. This show is about us changing the country for the better. This show is about us saying no more. And us giving each other a little bit of hope that things are about to get a lot better. Do you feel that energy out there? I certainly do. As I watched Donald Trump speak before he ascended the staircase onto his plane yesterday, I said, man, this guy knows, this guy knows something. This guy knows the American people are with him. This man is going to be able to march into every single campaign rally and say to all the downtrodden people and all the people who have been abused by the system, every person in this country has been abused by the system. Every person in this country has had their currency devalued. Every person in this country has had their neighborhoods made less safe, their schooling made worthless. Their national military made a laughing stock, and every parent in this country fears for the future for their children. Donald Trump can go to those people, and he can go into those communities, and whether those communities are black, white, or purple, he can say, I am understanding deeply of how rigged the system is against you. The system is after me, and ladies and gentlemen, now I will stand for you. It is going to be a beautiful moment, and you can see in his eyes, and you can see this moment uh, transpire and take place yesterday. This is incredible. After they threw everything at him, after the machine has come after Trump with everything they got, double barrels, both barrels, baby, Donald Trump stopped and looked directly down the barrel of the camera and said, you know what? We're going to make this country great again. Watch. Thank you very much. This is a very sad day for America. And it was also very sad driving through Washington, D.C. and seeing the filth and the decay and all of the broken buildings and walls and the graffiti. This is not the place that I left. It's a very sad thing to see it. Uh, when you look at what's happening, this is a persecution of a political opponent. This was never supposed to happen in America. This is the persecution of the person that's leading by very, very substantial numbers in the Republican primary and leading Biden by a lot. So if you can't beat him, you persecute him or you prosecute him. We can't let this happen in America. Thank you very you much, everyone. Like 
Boom, and Donald Trump walked up the stairs, Donald Trump looking strong and saying, wow, man, this country has taken a bad turn. Even D.C. is a rotted cesspool, a trash-filled heap. When I left it, it was pretty, and it turned into trash real fast. And I know that because I was physically living there, and I had to flee to Florida. So Donald Trump and his resolve, I think Donald Trump knows something. Donald Trump knows that the American people are behind him here. And we are starting to see some unbelievable polls showing that Donald Trump is tied or leading Biden in some of the biggest and key swing states. Some of the polls out of Michigan are next level nuclear five alarm fires for the Democrats. Donald Trump leading Joe Biden in places where Donald Trump never led Joe Biden in 2020. Donald Trump tied with Joe Biden in the New York Times Seneca poll when Donald Trump was never tied in that poll with Joe Biden in the year 2020. And what does this mean? This means that Donald Trump's probably leading by 10 points, and he knows it. This is Donald Trump last night. In case you're, in case you are susceptible to psyops, and in case you think that like th- that this is about them clamping down on Trump and that they they're just gonna they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna end them guy. Don't believe it. Stand up. Stand up. Know that the American people th- see through this. Donald Trump sees through this. Be upstanding. Donald Trump last night crashed a wedding at his club. This was Donald Trump after, uh, I think the count is 78 different charges filed against him in three different arrests, facing a thousand years in prison. And this is how, this is how, this is the vibe of Donald Trump last night. Incredible. Incredible. Does this man look defeated to you? What is he facing? Well, this is what I find particularly special right now. And this is what we are going to spend uh, the first little block of the show on before Alina Hava joins us. Donald Trump's personal attorney will be joining us. And we're very, very excited about that. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, they're not going to win this one because the mechanisms of keeping information from you are disintegrating. We are building a new media. We are building new mechanisms of information dissemination. And we now have the transcripts of Devin Archer's testimony before Congress. And why is that important? Well, it's important because what used to happen was Adam Schiff would keep the transcripts hidden and then he would leak to the media what happened, his narratives. That was tried just three days ago when Devin Archer testified before Congress. Three days ago, Devin Archer walked in there and was allegedly saying that there was the illusion of influence with his father. But we've released the transcript. Devin Archer never said that. That went, that ping pong balled all around the country. The illusion of influence. That's what everyone led their shows with. Everybody. Oh yes, it wasn't real influence. It was the illusion of access. That was made up. We now know it. And now these scumbags, these liars, Adam Schiff Jr., a man named Dan Goldman, sweaty, cretinous, uh, trust fund baby loser, was out there lying, trying the same tactic. And they've been exposed. CNN ran with that as the headline. And then the transcript was released and it blew up in their faces. This is an incredible moment. Watch. 
Well, earlier this week, we just had to rely on the characterization from Republicans and Democrats about Devin Archer's testimony, but now we can see the full transcript. Uh, you'll recall that Democrat uh, Congressman Dan Goldman said that Archer testified that it was the illusion of access hmm. to Joe Biden that Hunter Biden was offering to these clients. But in fact, when you look at the transcript, what you see is that that phrase, illusion of access, is in Dan Goldman's question. Mm. It's actually not what Devin Archer testified to. He says, yes, but that's not quite fair. This was about showing that there was the signal that there's influence and, and access here. So you're getting fact-checked by CBS News. This is how it used to work. They would simply leak their preferred agenda. They would make up testimony and then Adam Schiff would leak it and then nobody would ever know the truth because they would hide the transcripts. Now they just blew this up in Dan Goldman's face, in CNN's face, and the, these clowns don't know where to run. Oh man, the greatest clip. This is what we're up against. I'm here to give you faith. I am here to give you an uplifting here. Let it, let, let, let the rising tide carry all of our ships. This, ladies and gentlemen, is what we're, so they can't leak anymore. They can't create narratives. They can't lie about testimony before Congress. So what else, what are they going to do? Well, I guess I suppose they should rest back. Leftist uh, pontificators should rest on their high IQs and their knowledge of American history, like Al Sharpton does here. One day, our children's children will read American history. And can you imagine our reading that James Madison or J Thomas Jefferson tried to overthrow the government so they could stay in power? That's what we're looking at. We're looking at American history. <laughs> could you imagine Thomas Jefferson overthrowing a government? James Madison overthrowing a government? Yes, yes, I could imagine that. Yes, Al. Uh, maybe you should, maybe you should lay off the o, uh, the Ozempic injections, Al. Maybe, maybe, maybe you should, maybe you should, maybe you should crack open a book, Al. That's what we're up against. So we will win. They cannot lie anymore, and they cannot deceive the American people. The illusion of access is what they tried to show that the Bidens had the illusion of access. They weren't actually getting anything done. They weren't actually able to influence international politics and hold American tax dollars over the heads of small little micro nations like Ukraine and get their kids paid out. This was all an illusion, you see. Problem with that is that the Ukrainian prosecutor, the guy, Viktor Shokin, who is the person who was fired by Joe Biden and Joe Biden got paid $10 million. The Biden enterprise was paid $10 million, along with many, many tens of millions more that we are finding out about for that firing. And we have a very helpful chart for you to understand exactly how this operation worked. We will play this every single show. Here is the Burisma executive that demanded the firing of the investigator looking into him. The Bidens dutifully did what the Ukrainian scumbag uh, Greaseball asked and then held American taxpayer dollars as ransom, and then the prosecutor was fired. Look at that man's face, Victor Shokin. Because you're going to be blown away here, ladies and gentlemen. Check 
this out. Explosive video. Victor Shokin finally breaks his silence and speaks about Biden's corruption. Shocking details about his dismissal and the Burisma investigation. Victor Shokin has gone public. Dude, this is nuts. So Victor Shokin says that not only was Joe Biden involved in his potential firing, but he may have been involved in his potential poisoning. That Victor Shokin uh, got mercury poisoning and he shrugs his shoulders and says, hey, hey, maybe this was Joe Biden trying to take me down because I know exactly what Joe Biden did in Ukraine. Here's the pertinent part of the interview, ladies and gentlemen. In your opinion, to what extent did Joe Biden interfere with the affairs of Ukraine? Shokin, under the Obama presidency, it seemed to be the case. The most shocking thing was that all the appointments were made in agreement with the United States and Biden in particular, even at the level of deputy prosecutor general. I know that for sure. What would you tell Joe Biden? Shokin said, I would wish him luck because he's going to need it. In my opinion, his moral and individual qualities are low and continue Living normally in the United States or any other country, he will need to be lucky. If the law is applied to Joe Biden in Ukraine or in the United States, then most likely he will be held responsible for the actions he committed. Ladies and gentlemen, you can watch Victor Shokin say it for yourself. Dans les affaires intérieures de l'Ukraine, étiez-vous parfois dépendant de l'aval américain? Do you know that Joe Biden is still under criminal investigation in Ukraine? Do you know that? Did you know that? I didn't know this until reading this incredible explosive article over the Gateway Pundit. This is this has absolutely blown my mind. This, I mean, this is crazy. So Joe Biden was under investigation. This was what Donald Trump was calling about in his phone call. Donald Trump was calling, encouraging them to get on with it. Joe Biden's under investigation and named under investigation in Ukraine for this bribe. Who's the guy who did the bribe is now in prison. Whew, man. Oh, man. There's a reason why they needed to impeach Donald Trump for this one. Victor Shokin continues explaining exactly how much Joe Biden was meddling in his affairs. Watch. Dernière question. Si vous aviez Joe Biden face à vous, que lui diriez-vous? Okay, so ladies and gentlemen, this is Victor Shokin saying, uh, first off, Joe Biden is a man of low moral character. And then, yes, Joe Biden interfered in our affairs, got me fired. According to the article in 2020, Victor Shokin filed an official complaint against Joe Biden for interfering in Ukraine's legal proceedings. In the same month, Shokin claimed that he had been poisoned with mercury five months ago during a stay in Greece. He says that potentially Biden could have been the person that ordered his poisoning. What? Ukraine launched criminal proceedings in February of 2020 against uh, Joe Biden on allegations that he pressured authorities into forcing the resignation of Ukrainian prosecutor Viktor Shokin. In May 2020, Shokin made an appeal to the Ukrainian president, Volodymyr Zelensky, urging him to take action. Is the entire Ukraine war a bribe? Ask yourself that. Sit back at this point and ask, is this entire Ukraine war that Joe Biden is, is Joe Biden now playing war? in order to bribe himself out of the truth of what actually happened in Ukraine. Because we have the phone calls. You can hear Joe Biden here talking to the Ukrainian president at the time. His name was Poroshenko, demanding the firing of this prosecutor. You can hear it on the tapes. Listen. Yesterday, I met meet with the general prosecutor Shokin. Yes. And despite of the fact that we didn't have any corruption charges, we don't have any information about the, he doing something wrong, I especially asked him 
No, it was the day before yesterday. I especially asked him to resign. In, uh, as a, his uh, position as a state person. And despite of the fact that he has a support in the parliament. And one hour ago, he brought me the written uh, statement of his resignation. Great. And this is my second step. Great. You can hear Joe Biden say, have you ever heard that call? Funny how the media has never played you that call of Joe Biden sitting there with his Ukrainian paymasters saying this guy didn't do anything wrong. Nobody wants him fired, but we're going to get him fired. We have no idea why. Yeah, we have no idea why, Joe. Well, now we know. Do you know that just minutes ago, Tucker Carlson dropped his second part interview with Devin Archer? This is, of course, the biggest flex in all of media. Tucker Carlson is getting Devin Archer, the business partner of Hunter Biden and Joe Biden, to sit there and not only give him direct evidence of Joe Biden's involvement in his businesses, but also to say what happened with Victor Shokin. The only reason we're focusing on this is that this is the hardest evidence. This is the most clear cut evidence. We're going to talk a little bit later in the show about China and about some of the new text messages that came out. But this is just so clear cut. You can put it in a Venn diagram. You can put it up. You can put Kamala Harris could understand it. So this part about uh, Victor Shokin's firing is so egregious. Devin Archer talked about it in a just released interview from Tucker Carlson. Check this out. When Shok when Biden yeah. called for Shokin to be fired. Right very publicly and then got it done like bam right what did you think again the narrative this has been they've tried to beat this into my head a million times because because it does work on paper um as far as the you know the logical steps but we were told that shokin had already been taken care you know that he was under control and that this is going to be a whole big problem for barista now yeah it's a huge problem because I mean, I don't know what that the guy was going to shut our business down just got fired. Oh, no. <laughs> it's just what it was. It was kind of pounded into our heads. Obviously, as I look back in the rear, yeah. view, it's it was uh, it doesn't it doesn't paper as well. Oh, hot damn, man. Oh, hot damn. Oh, it's been taken care of. That's an exact quote from Devin Archer. It's been taken care of. What else, ladies and gentlemen? What else has uh, Devin Archer said? Now, it's an hour-long interview, so we combed through it as quickly as we could before the show. Some interesting little things that have been pulled out by our incredible producer team here. Archer, on requests from Hunter, call Dad. That's a request that was made a lot of times. Oh, let's just get Dad on the phone. Come on, get Dad on the phone. We got a problem anywhere in the world? Get Dad on the phone. Whew, baby. Check it out. They told Hunter to quote call his dad. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think referencing the email that you 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 put earlier, there was constant pressure to uh, to send signals um, to leverage all of his ins- you know his dad included, but the Biden brand, all of the you know the 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 DC insider and relationships to help Barisma survive. I think that's the you know at the end of the day what we're talking about. I mean, that was that, that was the idea he brought. That's that, that it was it was the that ability to help on the geopolitical stage. When they asked him to call his dad, did he? 
Um, he, I was not privy to the conversation directly, but they've asked, you know, that was, you know, Vadim met with his dad at, at uh, dinner, at dinner at Cafe Milano, a famous dinner at Cafe Milano. Um, so, you know, I, I did not listen to a particular call where they spoke, but I know that the request was made by Vadim a lot. Wow. So Hunter Biden, the request was made a lot. Devin Archer has testified before Congress saying that this is this request was made 20 plus times for dad to hop on the phone in exchange for influence. Now, yesterday, Kash Patel, uh, an absolute fantastic legal expert who's brought bribery charges as a federal prosecutor before and who's brought RICO charges as a federal prosecutor before, said, no, 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 you don't, you don't, Joe Biden doesn't even know anything, doesn't even know anything about what's going on. Just him answering the phone during the business, that's bribery. Because all you need to do is look at the results. And if the prosecutor gets fired, then Joe Biden is part and parcel to bribery. That's how it all works. This is as close to a slam dunk as you can get. But it turns out that Joe Biden did know. Oh, man. Okay, so again, this dropped just minutes ago. But we have our incredible producer team has combed through it. Check this out. So here's Devin Archer saying, oh, wait a second. Joe did know. Let me make this very clear. Joe knew what was going on. He knew the game here. Watch. The reaction to what you've said in public, to what you said to the committee mm-hmm. on the Hill, um, and doubtless to what you're, you've been telling us in this interview, is that, like, there's no corruption here at all. This is totally normal. Joe Biden had no role whatsoever in uh, in his son's business or knowledge of it. But right. How would, I mean, that seems... False. Yeah, I, I think that, yeah, I think that's, that's categorically false. I think that what, what the, he was aware of Hunter's business. He met with Hunter's business partners. He, I mean, you found a letter that, that illustrates that he knew me. And I he's thanking you. <laughs> and, uh, he's thanking you for so, his efforts. So I think that was, for, yeah, I think your efforts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that, a that's a, um, you know, that's, that's not factually right. It's not factually correct. They're lying to you. We have the proof. We'll put it up on screen. Please enjoy. Have a look. Why don't you go ahead and just oodle, oodle this one. Now, first off, the reason why you know that this is Joe Biden's letter and that Joe Biden wrote this himself is that he misspells Devin Archer's name twice. Check this out. Dear Delvin, Divin. So, so he actually writes the way that he speaks. That's how you know this is accurate. And then he misspells it again at the bottom. He he, he spells his name he spells his name wrong twice. So absolute proof positive. Here's Joe Biden thanking him. I'm glad I oh, I'm glad you're in business with my son. I'm glad you are like sprinkling the Hansel and Gretel Coke line uh, from country to country that Hunter can follow in order to pick up fat stacks, hot bags for my retirement. As Joe Biden has put it many, many times, this was an operation to ensure the Biden legacy. And ladies and gentlemen, that legacy is now going down in flames. That's hard evidence of Joe's crimes. Hard evidence of crimes is something they don't have against Donald Trump, something they'll never be able to bring to trial against Donald Trump. And there's one person who's making sure that those trials go fairly, soundly, and it was an absolute bombshell yesterday when she walked out and talked to the press. Donald Trump's spokesperson and personal attorney, Alina Haba, joins the show now.
Miss Spokeswoman, is is that the right way to say it? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. If you're woke, you'd probably call me a spokesperson, right? Oh, all right. <laughs> okay, well, that's how you know we're not what we've passed yeah, your first not. test. Spokeswoman, yes, I'm I'm his general general counsel and spokeswoman. That is my name. All right. Pass the first test. You, man, you you walked out yesterday and set the world on fire for six straight minutes answering questions out front of the courthouse. We didn't get really any Q&A from any other member of Team Trump. I just want to ask you, like, what do you like? First off, what was the what was the mood yesterday uh, walking out there? How many how many press were there? Um, what was so up? So much. So actually, there were so many people there um, that you couldn't see. I'll give you the, the inside edition version. You, When we pulled up, there were tons of people, and they actually blocked me off for security reasons. And where you can see right there, um, there was Secret Service actually that had to put two vans on either side, and they blocked them off because there were so many people. So there was one block where I was in the middle of basically two massive crowds, and then they selected um, press that came with us in the motorcade, came with us back to the motorcade to uh, back to the plane to take President Trump's comments after his arraignment. Um, and those were the, the you know, there was that group and it was the New York Times, you know, all the big all the big press, Politico and, and you know, anybody that that went through the proper protocol got in there. So, yeah, so the, it was something you let the DOJ on fire in these comments. Um, <laughs> You know, what, like, like, what, what is your major takeaway from from yesterday? Honestly, the the feedback was different from yesterday than Miami, right? I spoke yeah. outside the Miami arraignment, and it's sad that I can say I've done this now multiple times, but um, this was different because when I laid out, and I wanted it to be different, this one was just very factual. I, I chose to speak for anybody who didn't hear it. I chose to speak facts because people can disagree with my politics. People can disagree with who I represent, but I'm a lawyer. So with as an attorney, I think facts speak the loudest, facts that you cannot dispute. And the timeline are those facts. So the feedback I got on this one was incredible because I think both sides have a difficult time criticizing me when all I'm doing is laying out facts about timing and how ridiculously obvious this witch hunt has become. And, you know, frankly, we know there's probably another one coming down and I'll do the same thing there again. And, and you know, I'm running out of things to say that I haven't said already because it's so obvious. But um, the feedback was really positive And I think people are just waking up in a major way. Donald Trump stopped in front of the uh, the plane and gave some pretty really strong comments. We played him at the top of the show. Did you advise him to do this? I always think he should speak. Um, as much as I'm a loud mouth, he is President Trump, and he should speak. And he should they should hear from him a that he's okay, that he is strong, and his sentiments because people are going to need to go to the ballot boxes in 2024 and put their their money where their mouth is and get there and and really. Uh, make the right decision. So he's the candidate, you know, he's got to speak. It's important. And I think what he said was right. It's a sad day for America. And this is persecution, not prosecution. And it's it's very unconstitutional. So it does seem wildly unconstitutional to go to the, the president for free speech. We broke down sort of Jack Smith's like insane single cat lady postmenopausal Upper East Side <laughs> op-ed that he wrote about Donald Trump is very, yeah. very screechy, very, like very much like like fa like find you in your apartment, like with the cats, you know, the cat, the cats I mean, have essentially eaten you like you, you, you know, nobody loved you. 
Yeah. He couldn't look him in the eye. Really? Like, that's a weak individual because if Jack Smith was in front of me, I would look him right in the eye. And and that's weakness. And I think we saw weakness when he tried to speak. I mean, maybe I should help him a little bit. But when he tried to speak <laughs> to the press that day that he came out with his second bogus indictment, the first one was awful. And then he tried to come out this time and, and give some like impartiality appearance of everyone's innocent until proven guilty. You have Trump derangement syndrome. Like you are the king of this. This is a joke. Don't be somebody you're not, number one. You go in front of the camera and you try and be fake, we can tell. And I think the American people saw that. And then he couldn't even look at the man that he's attacking in the eye yesterday. Doesn't that can say- Can you everything? unpack that for us? So so Jack Smith didn't even make eye contact with Donald no. Trump? No, no eye contact, none. Couldn't do what? it. Don't blame him. I wouldn't be able to do it either if I was him. Wow. <laughs> Weak sauce. That's what we call weak sauce. But he's he's a he's a weak puppet. That's what I think he is. And and when he is, um, you know, coming in with these bogus claims, writing them, and they're so as an attorney, just have dignity for the claims that you bring to such a high profile case. Make sure that you're not doing the wrong thing. You know, I've been dismissed on a case before that I brought for President Trump, but I stand behind those com that complaint. It ended up becoming true and, and coming out with the Durham report. So if you're going to do that, you better stand up and you better be able to look the person in the eye and depose them and and really ask the right questions. And what I've seen so far of Jack Smith, I'm just not impressed. And I think his track record speaks to that as well. Did Donald Trump and Jack Smith have any interactions in the courtroom no. at all? He wouldn't. No, he wouldn't even look at him. Wow. I told you, he, he literally just, you know, out of I mean, fear, kind of like out he of wasn't, we saw it in the press. Out conference. of fear, cowardice or shame? Probably all of the above. Well, I don't think he has shame. I don't think he could have brought this if he had any shame. I think shame is something a person with dignity feels shame. If you have no dignity and pride, I don't think you have the ability to feel shame. There's the judge who has worked with Hunter Biden as a colleague mm -hmm. who has mm -hmm. defended the DNC and defended Fusion GPS in Russiagate who should be immediately recused. Uh, your thought on this? 100% accurate. I, I believe that that person has no business being the judge on this case. I think we have issues with the venue. I think the venue is a tough venue, of course. But uh, more importantly, you have a judge that has, A, worked with all these people, as you mentioned. That's 100% a conflict. And then you have the fact that she's known as being an incredibly difficult J6 uh, person. She's a lot of the problem. And the reason, you know, we have these issues with these J6 individuals who have not had a, a fair trial or a speedy trial, but with Donald Trump, they want to do a speedy trial, as we heard yesterday. And there's been a lot of publicity about that. People that have been sitting in solitary confinement, people that have been sitting in jails and haven't been heard yet. Um, I want to ask, why are, have they not been heard? But why do you have the time for Donald Trump? I'm just seeing the hypocrisy and seeing the ridiculousness of the court system coming out of D.C., it's scary. It's scary stuff. So Trump said on Truth Social this morning, hey, Supreme Court, just grab this thing and destroy it. We know yeah. we know you got you know, we know Clarence Thomas is polishing his gavel, um, getting it ready. But what's going on when it comes to that? Mike Davis was on our show yesterday saying, uh, the, the, you know, it would take a second. You know, it would take a hot second for this to make its way to the Supreme Court. Uh, your legal strategy here. Yeah. Uh, First Amendment rights are the most um, important rights, I think, as American citizens that differentiate us from third world countries. Uh, it's the reason you and I can do this show right now. So 
that's what the Supreme Court is here for. It's for constitutional and bedrock issues that are major issues in this country to make sure that we remain America and don't turn into an un-American state. Um, and that is why those people that are selected into the Supreme Court go through such a vigorous uh, process. And I think that it is a constitutional issue. I think it is an issue that will ultimately end up in the Supreme Court. And I want, you know, I think, Benny, you bring up a good point that people aren't talking about. They can try and have a speedy trial. They can try and rush things. But, you know, any litigator understands there's an appellate process. There are decisions that will happen along the way. There will be decisions we don't agree with that we'll have to appeal um, and vice versa, by the way. It works both ways. So when you have that, this is not going to go as fast as they may like. But at the end of the day, I do believe that if it gets up to the Supreme Court or a good appellate division um, panel, then, you know, they'll make the right decision because this is unprecedented. It's a slippery slope. I mean, every politician should be arrested then under this. Right. It's impossible. Yes, I mean, we, we've, we've read through the indictment. It was very hard. Again, it's very hard. It was like reading the yeah. op-ed pages of The New York Times on a very sleepy, like August Sunday, where these people who have severe problems write in, screechy. It was really, really bad. But wow, is this case unbelievably vacuous. The, the retweets. Oh, he retweeted things. Oh, he said, go peacefully to the Capitol. And then he, he said... This one, I can't wrap my mind around this. Perhaps you could elucidate for me what the legal theory is here. Donald Trump said things that weren't true, and we're going to have to prove that he didn't know they were true, right. and that's big. That's bad, and so that violates yeah. the, the. I think legal what they're code trying there. to say is what? that he was advised by some people not to challenge the election. Well, okay. And he was advised by some in another way. And his beliefs are his beliefs. And that's the beauty of this country. And at the yes. end of the day, we all know he still believes that 2020 was not a fair election. It's not a question that he still believes it. And, you know, I think that that evidentiary wise is going to be very problematic. They have to get to his frame of mind and prove that he actually believed it to be false and was peddling a false statement. But more importantly, that he had no basis to believe it. And that's going to be hard because now we're going to challenge the election's uh, credibility. And all we have to show is an inkling of reason to believe that something was stolen or something was rigged or uh, challenged, that it was perfect. And we can do that easily. It's been done. Um, so, you know, I don't understand what's illegal about voicing for people to protest patriotically. I don't understand what's illegal about saying that you don't believe something was done accurately or properly as the ex sole person in the executive branch. Um, but. We'll see. I mean, again, this to me is frankly the weakest of of any case that we've seen come out of the Jack Smith, whatever era, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> you're, cri you're criminalizing free thought. It really, yeah. it, it really, it, it comes down to that. You're criminalizing yeah. free thought. Uh, being a skeptic. Being a skeptic is our right. It is actually the precursor to truth. Is being skeptical of the official narratives, and I think that it's, by the way, it's our it's it's our obligation. And I think as the president of this country, it is also your obligation to make sure that we have safe, secure borders and et cetera, et cetera, and elections. That's what yeah. makes us America. This is one of the core values of our country that makes us America. So weak, weak. Last question here. I do. I really do because I hear a lot of people buzzing about this. You do get discovery here, right? You get subpoena power. 
here, right? Yeah, you criminal. So I'm obviously I'm not a criminal attorney, and I don't yeah. ever speak to something I'm not an expert on. But criminal is a little bit different. Obviously, we're going to get to see what their discovery was, and and their uh, get testimony. They get to look at everything that happened in the grand jury. Whereas up, up till now, we have no part in anything, and they can put on whatever. It's like a one man show. They can put on whatever show to the grand jury and say, these are all the facts and there's no rebuttal. So we get to rebut. Um, it's not as voluminous as civil uh, discovery. You know, in civil discovery, I get to take every deposition I want. I get to deep dive. It's a bit uh, different in criminal courts, but that is why I leave it to my good friends in the criminal case to handle it. And we have some great attorneys I'm really proud of. Um, John Laurel's awesome and Todd Blanche will do a great job and, and I trust them. I think they're going to take care of it and get rid of this quickly. So fi final final comment on Jack Smith. He was in charge of ethics at DOJ when Joe Biden was getting bags of cash from every evil oligarch amazing. in the world. Any any thoughts on that? I mean, yeah, it seems a little amazing. Curious. It's amazing. It's a little strange. I think that um, if there hasn't already been an investigation into his behavior um, ethically, I would be shocked. You know, people always like to say, I'm going to lose my law. She's going to lose her law license. Not really, you know when you're looking at people like this again it's like why if you're a republican attorney and an outspoken republican attorney then you should be investigated but if you're a democrat attorney who literally did not get appointed by anybody you got lucky and now you report to merrick garland who reports to who biden you want to tell me that you're acting ethically and appropriately he should know about ethics he clearly does not um but i hope that the right individuals and they know who they are i hope they're taking a close look at it mm, good all right. Well, Godspeed, Alina Haba. You just—we're just so proud of you. We're just—we're so, just so Good proud. We, we saw you march out yesterday and do seven straight minutes, rapid fire, both barrels. It was awesome. It was awesome. You. you did an incredible job. Godspeed. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, we are just so honored to have this audience. We love bringing you the people who are making news, the people who have made news, and some people who are really the nexus, the genius nexus of how the decisions get made inside of these orbits. You know, behind uh, these politicians who walk out and who stand and who bang the gavel and pound the podiums, there needs to be people with actual intellect and high IQs. <laughs> I've hung around a lot of politicians. They're not very high IQ. There needs to be people who are actually designing policy. There needs to be the masterminds of various movements and various levels of various levels of, of, of politic. And it is why we are particularly honored to in welcome our next guest onto the show, somebody who we've been looking forward to talking to for a long time. I would argue the brain trust of the most successful Donald Trump policies uh, that were executed and were implemented, uh, a man whose vision for the country uh, were it to have been properly crystallized and were ha to have gone forward into full execution, we would be living in a very, very different country right now. A man who I think uh, is in charge of one of the most successful uh, 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 organizations in America at this uh, current moment, uh, America First Legal, a true fighter, Stephen Miller joins the program now. Stephen, thank you so much. <laughs> it's, a great, it's a great introduction. 
the uh, I need to take you on the road with me. You can just do all my introductions. It would probably I um, do I got you. my fundraising. I got you, boy. Listen, I've been in D.C. long enough to just to, to understand that there there needs to be a high level of IQ planning strategy and logistics behind the bluster. Right. And behind the people going out and making the speeches. And you were that for the entire the entirety of Trump's first term. And you remain that now today with very, very successful America first legal. You have a great legal mind and you have a great mind for how government functions. As you read through Jack Smith and what happened yesterday to your old boss, um, what's your major takeaway? Well, first, let me say I've been I've been lucky enough over the years to, to help a number of different politicians and work for a number of different congressional committees. And uh, and basically, I've been in Washington uh, inside either Congress or the executive branch uh, every day since I graduated from Duke University. But I never in all that time, never in all that time met a politician more brilliant than Donald Trump, the man who is now being persecuted, not prosecuted, but persecuted mm. uh, to a degree and at a level that we have never seen before in the history of this country. Uh, if you read the indictment, and so much has been said and so much has been written on the subject, and you even have principled people on the left, uh, like, for example, Jonathan Turley uh, and, and Glenn Greenwald, who have been so uh, erudite on this, but the indictment is the effort to imprison somebody for expressing and having thoughts that the Department of Justice considers to be unacceptable. I think it was Turley who said this is American history's first ever true prosecution of disinformation. And so, in effect, they're, see they're, they're seeking a life prison sentence for what the state regards as disinformation. And so I want everyone just to kind of open their eyes a little bit here. Let's just zoom out for a second. Nothing ever happens in isolation or by accident. It's all connected, right? So if you think about suddenly in our lexicon, you see the term disinformation and misinformation and also malinformation ever present. And you see other words being grouped with those words like domestic terrorism and hate speech. Right. What they're trying to do is to get around the left's number one problem in establishing complete control over our society has been the First Amendment. Right. They've run shot through a lot of rights and a lot of freedoms. But this is a key point. Well, while leftist judges and jurists have been pretty happy to dispense with most of the Constitution, the last shred that still, been, I mean, you talk about like some of the Commerce Clause, it's been gone for like 100 years, right? The last thing that's still standing has been the First Amendment, where even, even historically more liberal jurists, more liberal justices, and more liberal prosecutors have said that's a line we're not going to cross, criminalizing speech. And so really starting in earnest during the pandemic, they created this architecture, this lexicon to say, well, speech is violence and hate speech is a crime. And really, these are actually the words of domestic terrorism. And so now we're living in an era. And again, and Donald Trump is the um, is not only the test case for this, but because it's the most spectacular application imaginable, everything else for the state becomes very easy after that. Right. In other words, if you can imprison the chief rival to the president of the United States, the current president, Joe Biden, on a a free speech violation, uh, then truly its applications are limitless in all circumstances and all places. So we have now crossed that threshold into if you are guilty of misinformation and disinformation, that you can and will go to jail. And what's interesting is if you look at a lot of countries that we would think of as being more despotic 
or countries that would be more authoritarian. Uh, typically, when they're charging an innocent person, they at least have the dignity and good sense to frame them with something that would transparently be a crime, like say, oh, well, you're spying on behalf of a foreign country, so you go to jail. And they say, well, no, I'm not spying. I'm just an American tourist. And they say, no, 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 you're a spy. You're going to jail. The, the American population has been so desensitized to the disinformation police that the state doesn't even blush at the idea of saying, you said something that we think is untrue, and so now you're going to jail. You said there's election fraud, but we say there isn't. Don't ask us to produce evidence that there isn't. You think, you think that the Department of Justice, before they issued this indictment, went down to Georgia and did signature matching? You think <laughs> they went and checked the ballots in Philadelphia? You think, they, you think they matched up the names of the voters to the actual addresses and said, are they a criminal? Are they a citizen? Did they live here? When were they born? Were they 18 when they voted? Are they domiciled here? Do they have a criminal record? Do they even, is this even their signature? You think they did one bit of that work before just saying, oh, no, 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 it's the most secure election in history and you're going to jail. So let's not, let's not understate. That's the danger, understate the peril and gravity of this moment. If they can jail for life, the leader of the opposition, because he committed a conspiracy to say a thing that was untrue and to try to make the public case for that thing, again, untrue in the words and mind of the deep state, then what person's liberties could possibly be safe? You could be, for example, a citizen organizing parents um, on, say, um, opposition to gender studies in the curriculum, you know, the LGBTQIA plus trans agenda. And if you organize a bunch of parents and you express a bunch of views, but then let's say somebody says, ah, but you have caused emotional pain and suffering to trans children, right? So you're not just guilty of, of free speech. You're now, you're now guilty of depriving this person of their civil rights. This is a conspiracy to deprive someone of their civil rights under the, the, the statutes they're using in this case, which were passed after the Civil War. Right? These are statutes and the, the civil rights that just passed after the Civil War to stop the KKK. They're now they're going to say, no, 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 you've, you've violated the civil rights of trans children and you and all your domestic terrorist parents are all going to jail because, because your claims are untrue. How do you know? Well, we asked the American Association of Pediatricians and they said it's untrue. So you're going to jail. The applications here are limited. Do you have any faith... And we try as hard not to black pill on this show. We try and white pill, at the very least red pill people. Do you have any faith that our Supreme Court it will crush this in due time? Um, we've been ha we've had a couple of experts on saying that this would be a very open and shut case. Um, your legal take. Yeah. So um, I always want to caution people against um, undue optimism, because when you when you live in a place of excessive optimism, um, it tends to um, dull your motivation. It tends to sap you into a state of complacency. Uh, it tends to lead you not to do the work that needs to get done. And so um, the uh, the case is open and shut, right? It's, this would be a 9-0 uh, rejection in almost any other political circumstance. But again, I want to zoom out for a second and point out what's been happening here. They've been running a PSYOP on the judiciary now related to all things January 6th for almost three years. And so if you if you look at what they've been ruling in a lot of cases, I'm not just referring, by the way, just to the criminal cases. I'm also referring to uh, a lot of the civil cases 
uh, with the uh, complete destruction of executive privilege and various other longstanding executive branch privileges that have all been uh, eradicated as applies to this case. And the, the judiciary has been uh, both conditioned and in some cases bullied um, into uh, bending or breaking or ignoring or violating the law to be on what is considered to be the right side of whatever the case is and um, and to therefore not be seen as being a, um, in the words of the left, as an illegitimate judge. So in other words, they've been, they've been working the judiciary, just like they worked John Roberts ahead of the Obamacare ruling, but multiplied this time like a million, right? Um, they've been working the judiciary to say, you are not legitimate if you rule this case based on the laws and the facts. This has to be outcome driven. Whoever we in the media say needs to be punished or go to jail or be harassed or be invaded, you have to reach that conclusion. And so uh, and you look at the same dynamic happening, of course, right now in Trump's criminal cases where you see the judge in Florida who, by all accounts, is a is a mainstream centrist down the middle judge with absolutely no agenda whatsoever, who has been harassed, intimidated, relentlessly vilified and bullied by the media. And then in the D.C. case, here's a judge who, by all accounts, has shown an extraordinary degree of bias in her rulings over a long period of time, who's now being uh, lionized and, and treated as a heroic figure. And so the, the message is clear. Rule the way we want you to, and you will be a hero. Rule the wrong way, and you will be demonized for life. And so uh, so again, while, while the legal issues here are are is clear cut, this is a nine zero rejection in any other circumstance. We do have to be worried that uh, that a that this psychological intimidation campaign. And remember, the, the, remember the Department of Justice for years now has declined to apply federal law to clear the demonstrators from the justices' homes and property. Right? This is the same justice that even even faced with the assassination attempt on one of the justices has declined to enforce longstanding federal law to clear demonstrators away from their homes. So that, again, this is in it. This has been an intimidation campaign that's long running. And, and we should we should not just sit back and say, don't worry, the Supreme Court is going to handle this. We need to ultimately understand that we have to organize to elect at every level of government from top to bottom individuals who are going to be resolute in restoring justice to this land. How do you do it from an administration standpoint? You, of course, are possibly the number one person to ask this question to. In a Trump term 2.0, uh, how do you properly take the machete to this This just absolutely – you've lost the American people here. I mean you've lost Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan just did an entire – dropped an entire two-hour podcast where he just went full flamethrower against Joe Biden. I've never seen anything like it. If you're losing Joe Rogan and you're losing these people centrists, as you just talked about, the centrist judge, Elon Musk's of the world, uh, if you're losing these individuals, man, people are ready for actual change. I think the atmosphere, perhaps, Stephen, is right for true true reform here at the DOJ. Sir, how do you go about doing it? Well, the first and most important thing is to reestablish what is known as the unitary executive. So the this goes back to... Uh, the Watergate era. And now we obviously know, looking back on it now, of course, that that was a deep state coup against Richard Nixon. But this goes back to the Watergate era, 
in which, and by the way, the cost of that, just so we're talking about measuring this in human lives, is that just, I know this is a, is a tangent, but just to understand the consequence of the deep state thing and they run policy. Um, getting rid of Nixon, who was pursuing an honorable peace and a durable peace in Vietnam, led to the complete collapse of Nixon's Vietnam strategy after he left office that would have then kept some sort of peace in Indochina. And instead, we were left with communist butchery on a scale that few can imagine. I'm not talking about the, the validity of entering the war. I'm just pointing out that when you when you get rid of duly elected presidents, uh, the effects on policy can be truly calamitous. Mm. Uh, but they pushed this idea after Nixon that the Department of Justice was an independent branch of government. And I mean, how many times in the Trump era did you hear this idea that the DOJ is independent, independent, independent? Could you imagine what our founding fathers, any of them, Washington, Madison, Jefferson, would have said if you told them that the that the Department of Justice, that the law enforcement, the prosecutorial power was going to be put into an independent agency that was self-piloting, that was self-guiding, and that was going to make its own decisions without any influence from the executive branch. But that's the idea that's been pushed now for decades and decades. If you read Article 2, right, the first sentence says that the executive power is vested, right, in a president, not 10 people or 20 people or 50 people or 2 million people, right? A president. This is a, this is an important point. You have been conditioned as citizens to think that there's something autocratic about saying that all executive power should be in the hands of a single president. You've been conditioned to think, no, 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 that's not good, right? It should be diffused into the hands mm -hmm. of lots of people. The most democratic position possible and the only correct constitutional position is that the president alone wields the executive power and everyone in the executive branch serves at his pleasure and his discretion because the president is the only one elected by the whole American people. Nobody unelected in the executive branch has any independent power. It is a power delegated by the president to them. So the first and most important step is to reestablish, again, this principle of the unitary government and to say that the, the Department of Justice and the execution of our laws is the most important not just a, but the most important presidential responsibility. And that everyone in that department constitutionally, that in other words, that civil service reform laws themselves are unconstitutional. It is unconstitutional to say the American people can elect a president, but they can be forced to have a mid-level Department of Justice, far left radical, making decisions independent of that president that cannot be removed by that president. That you as a citizen do not have the ability to elect somebody to change how the Department of Justice operates. It is an unconstitutional premise. So you begin by challenging that very notion. Uh, and then, then underneath that, right, you have to appoint people at every single level. So it's not just people get very focused on, it's obviously essential, uh, on who the attorney general, the deputy attorney general is, and on down at the chain, associate attorney generals and so forth, who's the head of the national security division, the head of the criminal division. These are all essential, essential appointments. But you need to be thinking about who is the head of the field office, who is the chief attorney in that field office, who are the chief attorneys in every single agency and sub-agency throughout, who's, the, who's that attorney's chief of staff, who's that chief of staff, deputy chief of staff, right? You would be thinking about all of the appointed positions throughout the department uh, and making sure that every single one of those people is both mission aligned, but also possesses the skill set, the focus uh, the knowledge to be able to outmaneuver the deep state instead of being outmaneuvered by them. 
the deep state has a set of tools and we know what they are. And the one thing that we know is, is that the moment that you start pushing at them, they're going to follow that same playbook, right? Which is they're going to manufacture a story. They're going to leak it. Then they're going to investigate it. And then they're going to assert that a crime has been committed. Mm-hmm. So you need to appoint people who are sophisticated enough to be able to understand how to operate in an environment in which that's the playbook being used against you. And then you combine that with the power of the intelligence community to actually engage in illicit espionage and illicit spying. Um, so it's not going to be enough just to appoint people where, you know, maybe you uh, you follow them online, you follow them on uh, social media and you think, oh, man, this person really gets it. That's not enough. It's not enough just to get it. Getting it is great. But you also have to be able to operate in an environment where people who spent 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 years learning nothing else but how to run these ops. You need to appoint people who are sophisticated enough to not only see the ops, but to be able to outmaneuver the operators. And then you need to pursue criminal prosecutions of those who have unlawfully used state power to advance their ends and their aims and understand that until there is criminal culpability. So take, for example, the um, the Russia hoax. Under the precedent that they have established, which uh, in this case is true, unlike in the case of President Trump, where it's all lies all the way down, uh, they, they perpetrated a conspiracy to defraud the United States government. The Russia hoax was a conspiracy to defraud the government. Yes. Right? That is a, that yes. is a criminally prosecutable event. And then the conspiracy as well to defraud the government about the Hunter Biden laptop and to defraud the American people. Also, it violates all yes. the statutes, right? Interfering in elections, civil rights, um, and conspiracy. So you need to then begin establishing this template. What they have used on their mountain of lies, you must now use those same precedents and those same tools, uh, except you are building a case on a Mount Everest of truth. So same tools, the only, the difference, this is the key point, the difference between us and them is that we will use those tools to pursue true and actual justice against true and actual wrongdoers, whereas they've used those tools to pursue injustice against the innocent. That's the key moral distinction. The mistake that people on the right make is thinking, oh, well, no, we can't use these precedents because then we're like them. That is like saying, that is like saying that a cop and a criminal are the same person if they both use force. They are not the same person. One is pursuing justice and one is pursuing crime. Use the same legal tools they've established, but use them to bring the true, the guilty to justice. Ladies and gentlemen, can you see why Stephen was such an effective speechwriter for President Trump? Can you see why some of the best uh, lofty prose that Donald Trump spaketh while he was president came from Stephen? My my final question for you is just a simple follow up to what you just said. Are you in favor of state AGs going after and filing charges against Democrats? Do you believe that Hillary Clinton and the people who signed the letter to say that Hunter Biden's laptop was disinformation? Do you believe that Republicans turn about as bare fair play. And as soon as Republicans gain the executive power again, uh, that they should immediately launch investigations into Russiagate, uh, well, true without, investigations. Without like- and so again, they've established the rules. They, they, they have established the rule that, that if you engage again in what they say is a conspiracy, what you and I would say is speaking the truth. Uh, if you engage in a conspiracy that has any impact again, in their view on an election, um, or an electoral outcome, that's a crime. That's what they're saying. That is the template that they have established. So we are saying that the people who actually lied, who actually engaged in a conspiracy, who actually engaged in premeditated, willful, and malicious conduct 
to deceive and lie to the American people should be held to account absolutely without question. I'll make one more point on this, which is that um, the there may be those, I probably would say I'm one of those people, um, who would rather live in a world in which um, we don't ever have to have this conversation, right? In which there's um, nobody has to charge anybody uh, on anything at all. But the only way you're going to ever get to that world, I mean, in the political realm, right? The only way you're ever going to get to that world is by creating compelling reason for those who are on offense to want to seek a legal ceasefire. The, in other words, if you are everyone, if, if you are in any kind of existential struggle and you are only getting <laughs> you are only getting pummeled, 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 and you put up no defense, in what universe could you then go to the person who is pummeling you into the earth and say, could you please stop now? All that you will get is laughed at mocked at, and then hauled away to the gulags, right? The only way you're going to get to an environment where you can say, all right, let's have a complete ceasefire, right? We're not going to, you know, the next, for example, like the next guy in Missouri who defends his property from a mob, you're not going to prosecute him. The only way you're going to get to that point is if they have a reason to say, we now, we're done with this. We're crying uncle. Uh, we did not start this. We have been on the receiving end of this for now, in, in earnest for seven years, although the roots of it are earlier. Again, but the key difference is, is that we will only go after those who are guilty, whereas they are going after those who are who are innocent. And the last thing I'll say is that, uh, is that if you look at uh, the crime and the filth and the drugs and the gangs in this country, just think for just one minute. If the Department of Justice use even one one hundredth of the resources they've used to go after Donald Trump, mm -hmm. there would be no MS-13. There would be no Sinaloa cartel. There would be no foreign national gangs terrorizing our citizens. They could be removed like that. You could literally, you could mobilize the National Guard, mobilize the FBI, go neighborhood by neighborhood, pick up every single known or suspected gang member who has no legal right to be here, and they could be flown out of the country. They are not using those resources to protect you, to protect your family, to protect your loved ones. They are using them to strengthen and establish their political control over the future of this country. And I can promise you this, um, if we don't elect in the very near future, from top to bottom, AGs, governors, uh, president, uh, Senate, House, people who understand what we're discussing here today, uh, that no matter how right you feel, and no matter, how, no matter how much you know the truth and how wide awake you are and how open your eyes are, it's not going to matter because their strength will dominate all day long over your rightness. That's the lesson of history. You can be as right as you want, but if one side is strong and one side is supine and passive, as, as are so many, of course, on our side in the Senate, they're just going to get pulverized. And so um, you need to elect people. And that's what we're talking about here. I'm talking about electing people uh, from this mayors all the way to the top who understand what we discussed here today. So you can have allies on your side who get these fundamental truths and will act upon them.
Yeah. Amateur study strategy, right? Professional study logistics. This, these are these are logistics. And America First Legal is a logistics company. It is a company. It is a it is a nonprofit. Sorry, correction. That is going forth and actually filing the legal charges that are changing our nation and are really taking offense to the left. Uh, Stephen, can you talk quickly about your group? Yes, yeah, just very quickly. So America First Legal, we are a 501c3 nonpartisan nonprofit dedicated to the defense of our constitution, our heritage, and the rule of law and our sovereignty in our court system. So we're filing one lawsuit after another. We are filing lawsuits against the Biden administration and against the radical left, and we are filing lawsuits against radical corporations and private organizations that are crushing your rights and crushing your liberties. We have won one major victory after another. We also represent parents in lawsuits against superintendents and school boards and school districts all across this country as well, too. We are the go-to place for people who are being crushed under the boot heel of this new authoritarianism. And every service that we provide to our clients is completely free to them. Because again, we are a charitable foundation. So you wanna find out more about what we're doing and how we are leading the way in restoring true law and justice in America, then visit aflegal.org. We're not interested in just studying these problems. We're interested in actually getting into the legal arena to fight them, aflegal.org. Ladies and gentlemen, Stephen Miller also on Twitter, or as it's known now, x.com. Look at that, even China respects him. Even China, (laughs) even China cowers in fear and bows their head. Ladies and gentlemen, 500,000 people can't be wrong. Go follow (laughs) Stephen Miller at Stephen M on x.com, twitter.com. Godspeed. You are doing some of the most important work in America, Stephen. Thank you again. I really enjoyed it. Let's talk soon. What an exciting time to be alive, truly. What an exciting time to be alive. Like, what a world where we can have an opportunity to interview Donald Trump's lawyer, Donald Trump's chief uh, strategist and speechwriter, and where we can truly, like, get together and talk ideas and talk truly logistics of how we save this country and how we take down this deep state. It's interesting uh, as you as you look through what is happening right now and you sort of understand the nature of the beast and you realize that what we are facing here is just the same thing that has we've always faced, right? We've always faced cretinous evil. We've always faced uh, organs that wish and ascribe to total and complete power. What does Satan offer Christ when Christ was on the mountaintop? The Mount Everest of truth, as Stephen just called it. Satan says, I'll give you all of the trappings of the world, lays out all of the the kingdoms of the earth, right? This is always the play. We'll give you power. Power at what cost? Christ said, nobody kneels before, nobody, no, I will not kneel before you. I kneel before God. And Satan fled. Christ spaketh truth and he fled and it didn't matter. Was one of those kingdoms that Satan offered, like, America? Yes. Yes, it was. Are we living in modern-day Sodom and Gomorrah? Yes. Yes, we are. And it's worth saying it because it's worth understanding that the Sodom story is about one man standing up. One good man could save the city. Find me one good man, one good woman 
Stand up, save the city. And this show, day after day, proves that there are millions of us, millions of good men and women that are doing our part to fight and to save this country. We're very excited to be a small piece in that constellation, and we're, we're absolutely and totally honored, honored by it and your viewership. If you wish to support us further, ladies and gentlemen, join the Benny Brigade. The Benny Brigade is $5 a month. It won't even buy you a foot long anymore. Joe Biden's inflationary cycle, $5 a month. We are going to be starting shipping out our custom keychains for the Benny Brigade made right here in America by veterans, made by with American leather, along with a ton of other perks like asking questions. We start that this weekend where we will send you an email with every guest we're going to have the next week and you can ask a question and I will ask that question for you. I will be your voice. We'll put your name up on screen. We'll put the brigade on screen. Please consider supporting us also because we're one of the few independent people out here. A lot of people owned by a lot of different cor corporations. We want to withstand that. We want to stay independent so that we can book our own guests, so we can say and speak the truth, and so that we can continue to do something that really means a lot to us, which is the verse of the day. You know, if you're owned by some multinational corporations some publicly traded corporation, would they allow us to do a verse of the day? I don't know. I ain't giving that up. I can tell you that for sure, because that is the whole purpose of what we're doing. That's our North Star. God, family, country. Organize your life like that, man, and you're going to have a great life. Ladies and gentlemen, our verse of the day comes from Psalms 55, 22. Cast your burdens on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. If you've been watching the news this week and you've had burdens, which of course you will when you watch the news, the news is designed to psyop you and to make you think that we've already lost, to demoralize you. Demoralized people can be controlled. The news is designed to give you burdens. Cast those upon the Lord. He'll sustain you and you will not be moved. We will not be moved. We'll be right back at it next week. Woo! And we got some big announcements for you. Very excited about it. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Benny Johnson, and this is The Benny Show. God bless you.